I think I went down some paths that I clearly was not supposed to go down. But like God, he turns them around. You know, he uses everything in our life, our mistakes, our failures. He runs after us. You are listening to the Christian Music Archive podcast, part of the New Release Today podcast network. I'm your host, Dave Maurer. Each week, I share stories about Christ, community, and music, chatting with musical guests who you will find listed on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. There are thousands of creative men and women who have helped shape the soundtrack of the Christian faith, and we get to hear their stories, learn about how Christ has made a difference in their life, and hopefully along the way, we'll learn how we can be a better part of our community. Welcome to another episode of the Christian Music Archive podcast. Today's conversation is a reminder of how faithful God is, even when we decide to turn our backs on His perfect plan. Early on in my life, I came to believe that in order for God to want to be in a relationship with me, I had to live a perfect life, and boy did I struggle living up to that expectation. I can't tell you how many times I recommitted my life to Christ because I had done some stupid stuff. You see, I was convinced that if I didn't perfectly follow every command that God gave in the Bible, well, I was certain to go to hell. But I never could get past my desires to do what I wanted to do. It was just a constant struggle. Today, I'm talking with 90s rocker Miss Angie. I found a real camaraderie with Angie as we shared similar stories of moral failure and of rejection by our church. But we also share the commonality of seeing God chasing after us and wanting to be in relationship with us in spite of those failures. In fact, we both have seen how God has brought beautiful things into our lives because of the areas we were struggling with. So if you are wrestling with some area of secret or maybe not so secret sin in your life, this episode might be a good one for you to listen to. And we'll jump into this conversation right after this message. As a regular listener, you know that I am very passionate about the work of Mercy, Inc. Mercy is a Christian humanitarian group that works around the world to change the lives of people from a wide range of backgrounds. Today, I'd like to share with you about Bethesda Medical Clinic in Haiti. Dr. Rodney and his staff provide a wide range of medical treatments to those living in Cap Haitian, Haiti. But one of the key elements of their work is making sure that the patient's spiritual health is addressed as well. I've been to Bethesda a couple of times and have seen firsthand as the staff prays with their patients every day. Patients come to the clinic early each day to share in Bible study and prayer. Then they are treated for HIV and malaria. There are baby and mama wellness checks. Patients are treated for broken bones and are provided physical therapy. I'd love for you to get involved in the great work that Mercy Inc. is doing in Haiti through Bethesda Medical Clinic. Head over to christianmusicarchive.com mercy to learn about how you can make a difference in the hearts and physical bodies of the people of Haiti. That's christianmusicarchive.com mercy. And thanks in advance for your help. Back in the late 1990s, I worked for a marketing company that was hired to help promote new albums on Murr Records. And one of the projects we had a privilege of working on was the second album for my guest today. Since that time, Miss Angie has become an independent artist and has just released her fifth album called Desert Flags, 
which I'm excited to talk about. So please join me in welcoming to the podcast, Miss Angie. Welcome. Hi, so glad to be here. It's exciting to get caught up with you again. Yeah, I was working for Spy Promotions back in the 1990s, and we did the street team work for your Triumphantine project. So that was fun. Wow, I did not know that. Wow. I didn't even know that you did that. That makes sense. That makes sense now. Okay. Wow. So I was, I was actually, I'm an accountant by trade. And so I never was actually doing the actual work work, but our teams was. And so. <laughs> so what did you do on the, the, did you do marketing or did you just do the crunch the numbers and stuff? Yeah. So our team did marketing. We did a lot of street team work. And so we were working with getting people lined up to go to concerts and pass out flyers and samplers and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I was they they relegated me to an office in the back where I crunched numbers and made sure our website worked and you know stuff oh, like yeah. that. Yeah, somebody has to do those important jobs for sure. Wow, back in the day of like running around handing out demos, how fun was that? Okay, wow. Yeah, now we give people links to MP3s. Yeah, <laughs> or a lot Spotify. Has so much has changed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and your career has kind of spanned all of those changes. I mean, we. I know we had CDs, but did we do vinyl on those projects early I, on? I never got to do any vinyl, but we did some pretty cool cassettes. I think they were pink or I don't know, or something weird like that. Yeah. Something weird, that's for sure. Well, as we were setting up, I, I always ask my guests as we set up these conversations about what's on your mind and what would you like to talk about? And you gave me a list of things and we kind of teased this a little bit before we started recording, but you said cleaning. <laughs> Oh my God. That's not something that I would expect somebody wanting to say, let's talk about cleaning. <laughs> I know, right? I said that's so pathetic. <laughs> I don't know what my, my, I just, I don't know what my addiction to cleaning is right now. It's because I have little kids in the house and it's a constantly uh, like wild raccoons uh, just going around my house and I just want it to look Pinterest beautiful and it never, you know, it never gets there with the littles. So when they're gone, I just scrub it clean and then I just stare at it and I just, I just have lunch by myself and stare at my clean house. It's really, really pathetic. Yeah. Well, you say littles, what are the eight? Yeah. So, um, I, I love them so much. They're so fun. I love getting to be a mom right now. Uh, my littles are seven years old, and then I have twins, boy and girl, that are five. So I have quite okay. a pack. Well, let's. Uh, a lot of our listeners may have lost track of you. I'll admit I lost track of you after your 1990s Triumphantine album. Now, uh, you have uh, a couple of other independent projects that you put out, but let's let's catch up a little bit. What are you up to these days, and what's keeping you busy? I mean, we did just release an album. We're going to talk about that, but what's going on in your life these days? Oh, yeah, I did disappear for a while. I had fulfilled my contract with Murr and I just kind of was, I don't know, I was just like tired of, I guess, writing. I just needed a break, a fresh, clean perspective on life and to, to write from. And But my break ended up taking a, a long time. And I think I went down some paths that I clearly was not supposed to go down in that break time. But uh, but like God, he turns them around. You know, he uses everything in our life, our mm -hmm. mistakes, our failures. Yeah. He runs after us. And, and you know, I can just look back and see me going down paths and 
that that was the enemy's plan to wreck everything, like anything and everything that has to do with me and my testimony and who God is in my heart. And, uh, but God just redeeming it. And so I ended up getting a divorce. Uh, I just went to work for uh, my family business for a while. We're contractors. And so I got to do design work, which is fun. I get to be creative. I just kept my feet in the church and, and serving in the church and just growing. And then, uh, and of course, writing and singing music and worship all along. And uh, I met my my husband now when I started to release um, a song, a single that I did with um, a guy in Nashville. It was, it was a single called Kick Drum. And I met my husband okay. then. He had worked on the artwork. And we just knew right away, we knew and my family knew that this was going to be God's plan. So we got married. And so that's 10 years ago. And we had three kids. So I've been a mom. I, I mean, like I did the mom thing hardcore. Like I had the babies and did the nursing and, and stayed home. And just, I mean, I was tethered to those kids. So well, and you homeschooled too, right? And then I homeschooled the COVID year, and I really liked it. And I thought, oh, we're going to do this uh, more, more, more. Mm. But then that kind of wasn't too fair to my kids. They want to go to school. They want to be around kids and have a life. Sure. Like, no, I can keep you home in this bubble. It's really fun. But no, <laughs> no, they they want to they want to get out and go places. <laughs> so. You and I share another commonality in that we both went through a divorce that was hard and changing our lives. And But you talked about how the Lord uses that to make life, to teach you and to train you. And what kinds of things through your divorce did you learn about God as as somebody who loved you and was caring about you, even though your world ended, so to speak? Yeah, it's really hard going through a divorce and you think, oh, I'm so miserable, you know, I need to end this, this needs to end and they want it to end and you think, yeah, we'll move on, but you don't move on very easily. You're just, that word tethered, you're tethered pretty hard, hardcore. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to get out of that identity when you're married of that other person, especially for me because he was a, a songwriter, producer and guitar player on my music. And so I just was like, oh my goodness where do I go from here? Like he was everything with my music, but God was faithful to bring people into my life that could help me make music just as easily. Cause it's just, you know, it's not about me and another person. It's about my heart with right. God. But I guess one of the things that I could talk about with what God did through my divorce was that, um, as, as hard as it was, you know, how do I begin? How do I say this? I told this to my husband yesterday that I'm growing to love God for who he is and not who I want him to be mm. or who I've made up or who I hope for him to be, but actually who he is. Like some of his things that he wants us to live like, they're not what our flesh wants to live like. They're not what culture yeah. wants to live like. And we have to make those choices. Like this is God and this is who he says he is, and this is how he wants us to live. And, and so, you know, in my marriage, after my first marriage, uh, was broken up because I, w I had, I had a girlfriend, like I got too close with a girlfriend of mine and I thought, well, I just, I guess I'm a homosexual. I want to be a, 
a homosexual for a while. My my husband, he was like, nope, I'm out. See ya. And I was like, okay, Mm. well, I'll try to fix this. I promise I'll be right back. I'll try to fix this. And that, that wasn't easy to get out of that, that mind frame. And and once I had given myself to that mind frame, but thankfully I, there was a small voice in my heart that was like, Angie, you might think you'd be happy like this, but this is not God's plan for your life. And this is not God's way for your life. And I had to kind of swim out of that. And, um, that was really hard. Um, it took a, it just took a lot of um, a lot of <laughs> just took a lot of me rewashing my brain because I wanted mm, it to be okay yeah. with God. I wanted to just to do whatever I want and that be okay with God. And um, he showed me he's like, you can do whatever you want. You have a free card to do whatever you want, but yeah, if you do this, you'll be blessed. If you do this, you're not gonna be blessed with me. You're mm. gonna be in rebellion, he told me. So yeah. I was like, I don't want that. So yeah. um, anyways, that was that was uh, something that God did in my life. And that took a while to get over. But um, so I think that would be under the header of just like sexuality, you know, like whether people think mm-hmm. they're bi or or homosexual or or just the way that marriages are today. Like you can just, you know, check out any time you want if you feel like it <laughs> type of thing. Yeah, and I think yeah. God has patterns and designs that work really well and that he that are close to his heart and that um are special to him and he's laid those out and revealed those and so as i have walked in those i've you know it's been it's been good it's been really good it's been really good and i've seen god redeem the mess that i made yeah yeah well I mean, I, that's heavy <laughs> no that's good i you know we a lot of times we look at music as an escape and a place you know to release stuff but the, the reality of it is a lot of music comes from real deep, dark hurt and things that we're wrestling with ourselves. And I think the reality of it is a lot of times we use music as an escape to cover our own wounds. I'm not a songwriter, but I know that there's songs that I like to listen to that pick me up and that kind of thing because we are hurting. And to realize that we're all in this same boat together, our hurts may look different. They may be different experiences, but at the root of it all, is what you talked about, is God saying, I'm here, you can do it your way, I'm still here, mm-hmm. or you can do it your own, or do it my way, and it'll be a lot better, and it'll be a lot a lot more joyful and fun to walk through, and so forth. But I'm kind of curious about that whole period of time, because here you are, a Christian artist, which, especially during the 90s, there was some stigma about what that looked like, and... There were people, I mean, like Amy Grant, uh, Sandy Patty. These are big people that went through divorces and things of their own, and they were shunned by church and by the industry. Oh, you're broken. You can't be involved in ministry. What kind of community came around you during that and and helped you through that kind of painful push me out and not include me in things anymore? Yeah, yeah. Um... (laughs) It's not, I mean, I wasn't going around telling everybody that story because, you know, I don't want people focusing on my sexuality. I didn't want, you know, I didn't want, some people just can't handle that kind of stuff. And so you you kind of have to weigh out who you tell that kind of stuff to and who you don't. But um, I, I did find people that 
would help disciple me. I've had a, this old lady who was a mentor that God brought into my life. And uh, she walked me through discipleship books and just prayed and fasted with me for two years. And God really provided her for me. And I kept going and meeting with her, even though I was like, this is stupid. This isn't going to work. I'm not going to change. But mm. I kept going and and I, and I did get help and I did turn the corner. <laughs> and um, I wasn't perfect after that. Nobody's perfect or anything. But as I just kept going to God's house, going to God's word um, and being honest with God, he's faithful to give us everything the Bible says that we need to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. He's already, he's given it to us. So I think those were things that helped me. Um, my parents are believers. They never shunned me or anything like that. Um, they were like, Angie, I don't know about this one, but they didn't shun me at all. And I haven't had a lot of people treat me that way, I guess, not that I can think of. Well, I just think in this day and age, there's a lot of people who are being hurt by the church because they're human, because of sin in their life or because of choices that they've made. And one of the things that breaks my heart, I mean, even just looking at the events of the past couple of years and the division in churches over a piece of fabric that you wear on your face. Yeah. Um, how is it that we as believers have gotten to the point where we say, well, you're not living like I think you should live, and so you're obviously not being a follower of God. I mean, that's not showing love. That's not showing, mm-hmm. you know. And so to people who you know who are going through similar situations today, or maybe somebody who's listening that they're struggling with their sexuality or they're struggling with a relationship or they're struggling with it, how would you encourage them that that God is still there loving them, even though the people of God aren't acting mm-hmm. like it? Yeah, that is so good because people are going to always let us down. Uh, we can't build our identity and our life and our hope and our theology on like a group of people or a man or anything. Um, I just think that getting in that secret place with God will build strength. I mean, the Bible says that they that wait on the Lord, he'll renew their strength. Mm. And that's what you need is you need strength to go on. You need strength to have hope to, you know, you, you need strength, uh, to, to believe that you can do what pleases God and you can make good choices. I think we give up on ourselves. And then when the church gives up on us or is too hard on us, we just go, Oh, whatever, you know, it's just, it's hard to live this straight and narrow life, but it's worth it. It's worth it to please the heart of God. It really is worth it. Uh, in this life and in the next life. And that comes down to also a fear of the Lord. Um, There's a fear there that I I don't want to stand before God and and him tell me, you know, I never knew you or you, you, you worked Mm -hmm. evil or you, you know, I don't, I want, I want to be with the winner. I want to be with the one who made everything. (laughs) I want to be with, with the guy who knows what he's doing. And, um, yeah, you know, yeah. we, we deceive ourselves so easily. The Bible says, um, we can, we can get in deception really quickly. So I think walking in truth, that was one thing I learned through my mentor is just walking in truth and mm-hmm. taking little steps in truth. But, um, gosh, if you're with your question, how do you keep going when the church hurts you basically is what you're saying. Um, yeah. you've got, you've got to, you know, kind of summons around yourself, I guess that secret place 
And the Lord can heal wounds in your heart. He can. And I think for me, a lot of the music I do now, there's a lot of healing uh, in mm-hmm. in my voice. And uh, not to sound weird, but it just there just is like I'm like listening to. Uh, it's not because of my voice sounds good. It's just that there's an anointing healing on it of rest. Mm-hmm. Because God, in His presence, He wants to draw us near. He wants to be close to us. Yeah. He's He's demonstrated that He wants to be close to us by by what He did. Paul says He's demonstrated that already in in giving everything. He's like yeah. He took our trouble. He took our the wrath. So He said, "I want to be close to you." So a lot of people will shy away from the presence of God because they 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 don't feel like they can get close to God, or they feel like they're a hypocrite. But the Lord has a covering. And when we say, I believe in that covering, I think there's a lot of healing that can happen. And then you can be a giver to the body of Christ and mm. not just a consumer yeah. and a receiver. Because then, then then you're walking, you can walk and be a giver. And it's not like you're just looking for someone to put a Band-Aid on you or to help you. Because a lot of times the experience that we have of God's forgiveness and healing, if we just hold that in, it does us good. But if we share it with other people who are going through similar situations, it gives them maybe hope that, okay, I'm not feeling that right now, but Angie is, Dave is, people like them have, who've gone through exactly what I've gone through. And and that's, I think, part of being in community, part of being in the body of Christ is saying, I haven't experienced anything, but what I have, here's how God has helped me through that. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And, and I feel, I get so much strength though, too, from being around the people of God. Like I, I get a lot of strength, just, just, we don't even have to say a lot. Just being in the room together, uh, worshiping God together gives you strength. You see someone else's faith and that encourages you. Well, I've, I've just really had a real heart the last two years or so, three years maybe about how we as the church don't really act like Jesus would. And I think we all have maybe our own vision of what Jesus would do, we may have the vision of the, you know, turning over the tables in the temple and doing radical things like that. But at the end of the day, what Jesus's life was really about was loving each other and reaching people where they are at. To me, the best way of doing that is in community, walking alongside people, having dinner with people, going out for a cup of coffee, texting somebody saying, hey, how's it going? Those kinds of things. And I think we as Christians try to make it so, I've got to do this big, long checklist of things that I have to do. And that's really not what God's asked us to do. He just wants us to love each other. Yeah, he wants us to walk in truth with each other. I mean, he wants us to mm-hmm. worship him in spirit and in truth and speak truth to one another. So, yeah, it's kind of hard to do yeah. these days. With I, I get that it's kind of hard to do, but hopefully people can gather around them um, at least one or two or three, some somebody around them that ha- can encourage their faith. I pray that for my kids. I, like, God, oh, give them a friend. Just yeah. give them one friend they, they can make memories with and be encouraged. Yeah. Well, we just kind of dove right in. My gosh, I, <laughs> I kind of bypassed all my music questions and stuff, but this is so rich. It's so rich to hear how God has used um, people around you. I, I'm, I'm, I kind of want to go back to your mentor friend. How did God place her in your life? Oh, I mean, how man. did you find her? You know, I was laying on the couch in this piano room. This is my music room. And I didn't, and I was like, how am I going to get out of this, Lord? I don't want to get out of this. I don't want to stop doing this. I like this. Now, mm-hmm. I know that that's not 
your way. So you're going to have to help me change because I don't know how to change. And my, I was going to a therapist. My husband had left me. I was going to a therapist and she was like, I don't know what to tell you. Like I, I really have tried everything. I don't know what to tell you. You still just want to do what you want to do. I'm like, I know, I know. Um, Mm -hmm. And she said, there's this one lady at this church and they do freedom in Christ ministry. It's like called freedom in Christ is an author named Neil Anderson. He wrote victory over the darkness and the bondage breaker. Mm -hmm. And his sister um, does these discipleship things. And she's like, give her a call. And she had just started a group. Uh, reaching out to people that were Christians struggling with homosexuality. She's like, this is weird that you're calling me because I just started this group. And she's like this old lady that doesn't Mm -hmm. know anything about it, but God had called her to it. She was in the Baptist church. Mm -hmm. She didn't know. She just, uh, but she, God used her and she's still, she's my hero. She's like 80 some now. I don't know how old she is. She's still doing discipleship classes for people. So she's my hero. It was just free, just somebody in the church, a laborer in the church, just giving their time and their life to disciple people. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a grace right there. That's that's a grace. And that, that just shows you that, you know, you are honest with God. You're like, I want help. I don't know how to get it. He provides. And you mentioned that at the very first as you were talking about the fact that one of the things about being a follower of God is that he provides things for you. And in this situation, a relationship with a woman who is able to talk your language and work with you and and help you through that. That's just that's just really really cool. Yeah. I have I have a story in my life of a one of the gals in our church. So my church when I was going through my divorce was pretty ugly about you can't be on any committees anymore, you really can't be part of the music team anymore, oh, you know all this kind of no. stuff. But but this lady Pam every Sunday didn't matter what, she would always come up and give me a hug. And that's all it was. Just hi, just want yeah, you to know. Exactly. Now I knew her husband, I knew them from, you know, and it was it was that that comfort of knowing, you know, the church says I'm broken, but this lady says I'm worth giving a hug to. Yeah. And to this day, Pam is one of the highlights of my recovery in my uh, brokenness because this is somebody who said the arms of God can't reach and wrap around you, but my arms can be God's arms. Yeah. Oh, thank God that he gave you a grace like that. That's awful that you had to go yeah. through the people. I, 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 yeah, there's, there are some bodies out there that they have some restrictions on if you're divorced and you can't do this and that. And I remember being mm-hmm. in a church and it was like, well, the really cute guys that were high up in the hierarchy couldn't date me <laughs> because I was divorced. <laughs> and I was like, okay, yeah. they, and they wanted, they, yeah. there was a couple of them that wanted, yeah. So, but that's how it is. They just, there's rules and regulations, I guess. Well, but the bottom line is God loves you and it doesn't matter what the people of God do that God's got a plan and he'll put people in your life that'll help give you that hug or help be that mentor uh, in those situations. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's spend a little bit of time talking about music. Um, Now I know you have a, I'm, I'm assuming you have a musical family because your brother Sean was also in a band and he was in Johnny Q public. You released a couple of albums. Was music part of your family growing up and, and how did that become kind of, let's make this a career. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, my my dad wanted me to do music more than I did. Oh, I, my dad was this guy that played his Les Paul and always had amps all over the house, and musicians were always practicing, and so definitely grew up in a musician's home. Uh, we had drums, we had keyboards, microphone recording stuff. I mean, we my dad was constantly doing, it, and he was doing it to tell a testimony. He would go out on the hmm. 
Walmart parking lot and set up things, these big speakers and like play as oh, loud wow. rock and roll and testify about what God did in his life. So that's kind of my heritage and what I grew up in. And then uh, when my brother and I started writing songs, my dad was very supportive and helped pay for demo tapes in Nashville and and encouraged us to do that. So yeah, my my family's been, and now I'm teaching my kids. I've got them on the drums and the piano and the the guitar and singing, singing music and worship. And today I got them out of the car and I was just singing this, this, like this little piece of thing in my heart. And then they got out of the little minivan and mm-hmm. they were singing it too. And I was like, I just made that up. And they're, they're walking down the sidewalk singing that they're, they're carrying my song. Oh, so. Oh, very cool. Yeah. <laughs> so what was your first instrument that you, that you picked up and played and kind of owned? Piano is my first and my foremost interest instrument. I mean, my vocals, uh, top my piano skills, but uh, piano is where I write and play and jam out. Yeah. Yeah. My piano teachers are always, and even bands that I joined at the church, they're like, can you give us less hammer? Could you please just calm down on the piano? Cause I kind of bang around and play rock and roll and that just doesn't fit all places really. Well, if that's what you grew up with, that is music, right? Yeah. That's what I like. I like it really loud and bangy. So so I read that the that you got discovered is a really weird phrase, but that your first kind of work was with David Zafiro and that he helps you get pushed over to Murr. How did that relationship get started? How did you find that connection? Oh, well, that, that was my dad. He found him and was like, you're going to go make a demo okay. tape with this guy. I didn't know who he was. I was like scared to make a demo tape because my brother had had success with getting signed to Goatee. And I was like... I don't know if I can do this. And my dad's like, no, you can do this. You're doing this. So I made a demo tape and we just made two songs. I had written two songs with my first husband. At that time, he just hand delivered my demo to about three labels. And so I have three labels hmm. wanting to sign me. Oh, I wow. Didn't expect that. So I ended up going with Murr because uh, I really liked Dan Postema and he was the A&R. Oh, yeah. Jim Chafee and... Yeah, they just kind of won me over. So, were you performing and singing concerts or coffee shops or something before you got signed, or what? What was kind of music like? I mean, not not a lot, really. I I I was the girl that would come up at the end of the Johnny Q Public shows and sing, a "Holy, Holy, Holy," why they did an altar call, and so it would just be me on guitar. Mm. That's been my kind of thing that God has used me as just the worship, the, the anointing, the, the call. And so that's all. But then I did open up for them a time or two. And yeah, of course I started playing shows then, but. So after, after your contract with Murr was up and your, I, I would say your music kind of got pigeonholed as grunge for kids, not, not, not little kids, but like mid high, high school. Um, and, was that where you wanted to be or was that just kind of where they put you or how did you kind of decide on your market, so to speak? Yeah, I it was definitely pop grunge. It was pop grunge. And yep. and it was the the no doubt, the cranberries, the the kind of thing of the nineties. And they loved that. They wanted that's why all those labels wanted a girl fronted rock band. So that's why they that's what they wanted. Mm-hmm. So 
they were ready to market me that way. They, they did a good job on 100 million eyeballs uh, marketing. Then when I came around and really got my wheels going with riding and I wrote Triumphantine, no, they didn't, nobody liked mm-hmm. that. They didn't pick that up very much. They were like, oh, okay, they just slapped, they just threw it out. They just, okay, we got to put it out because we said we would. But they, I don't think they liked it. They did, uh. I mean, Dancing in My Head was a song that went number one, I think, but they had Ted T remix it. And that helped. Mm. But it was more kind of a weird album. I got really artsy on that one. Well, so then, so then you took your break and you went through life, and you came out uh, about ten years later with an album called Time and Space. Mm-hmm. And that was now that was kind of an independent project. Talk about that transition into independent artistry after having had this backing, and then it kind of fizzled. And what did that do to your kind of desire to play music? Yeah, that's been something that I'm still walking through because when I left the industry, I mean, I was, it was kind of a high. And so I thought, oh, I'll just, Mm -hmm. I'll just take a break and I'll come back and it'll be just the same. No, no, you don't, that did not happen. (laughs) I I was not welcomed back. Um, This, the guy that did the, um, came alongside and funded well, actually, I did Time and Space on my own here with a guy named Jeremy Larson. Okay. And he's an incredible talent. He gets used by all the Bethel people for strings and a lot of production things in Nashville. He lives in Nashville. But he's just an awesome talent. And uh, I did that on my own with him. And then this guy uh, in Nashville, he wanted to pick it up and put it out. But it okay. that that didn't happen. We didn't we didn't make that happen. And um and ever since then, like when I when I came out with the new one now, it's just easier to do your own thing because you don't have anyone telling you, well, you have to do it this way. You have to do it that way. You have to, you know, there's no time frame. So you can just really be a true artist mm-hmm. and and do things how you want. Now, there's not a big budget, obviously, <laughs> or marketing budget. But, you know, that'll come if God wants it to. And if not, I keep making music as a worship artist, so... Well, was so was the Jeremy Larson connection how you got connected with Gabriel Wilson, or because that they're both Bethel, right? No, Jeremy lived in my hometown, and he was just the most talented person okay. here, and and so we made music together. And then he moved out to Nashville, and he started getting a lot more work because he's very talented. And uh, I I found Gabe on my own. I just was praying and I was just like, I want to make another album. I reached out to him and he he got back and was like, oh, I know who you are. I remember you. And yeah, let's do a project. So I got on his schedule. I got I had to raise a lot of money to do it. But um, I was eager to do that. This time around, I think I'll just this next time around, I think I'll just do um, more worship, piano and vocal and not try to go so production heavy. Mm. But I'm super happy with how Desert Flags turned out. Gabe is an incredible, yeah. incredible guitar player and musician. He was really fun. Like, like I would give him a demo and he would, you know, fiddle around with it in his studio and send it back to me. I'm like, whoa, that's amazing. <laughs> yes. I didn't have to change anything because I, you know, I've worked with a lot of people and I'm like, no, 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 uh, no. But Gabe, I was like, what? I was like crying <laughs> when he sent me Joyrider. Oh, wow. I was like, and Angels. I was just crying. Well, so, so this album was kind of recorded in pandemic. We talked about this a little bit before we pushed record. 
Um, what was that recording album, an album like when you couldn't be in the studio together? And like you said, emailing files back and forth. How was that compared to you know what you've been doing so far? It's like okay, I don't like that. Let's tweak that here. It's all live, and you're fixing it, you know, mm -hmm. because you're together now. All of a sudden, you guys are a thousand miles apart. <laughs> yeah, it was not the funnest. I was so excited to get to maybe go to the studio, but it just didn't work out. And I think it lost some wind too because I didn't get to go to the studio, I think I lost some wind with Gabe because then it took a, a lot longer to get the songs back, the mixes back. And I feel like I missed out a little bit, but at the same time, I'm glad I didn't lose any time from my family because I'm a mom now. So I got to mm, stay the course yeah. with the mom thing right now. <laughs> and, and music can yeah. be over on the side, but I, I've got, I only get one shot to raise these kids. And so I, I'm, right. I'm fine with that. But yeah, my brother hooked me up with a bunch of gear here at the house and uh, we just, we got it done. We got it done. I was recording things on my cell phone vocals and sending him things. No kidding. Yeah. I don't, I think he even wow. used, uh, well, no, he had me re-record it. That's right. But yeah. And I just went into a studio here in town and re-recorded some things after some scratch vocals and then he fixed it up. Well, let's talk a little bit about the songs on on Desert Flags. So for me, when I was listening to the album the first time, I was thinking this is a story about how God is very real in the present and how he's giving you the ability to do things that you may not be interested in doing or, or may not think you can do um, is kind of what I took from the album. Joyrider, uh, for me... I mean that that's the song the the album opener, but for me it was there's joy in this journey even though things aren't going well. And that's kind of what I was getting out of that song. What what was kind of your impetus behind behind writing that that, that line? Is so neat. I, I love hearing people's takes on how they interpret the songs. Joyrider particularly is uh, I was playing a lot of prayer rooms around here. Like I was consistently mm. being the musician and the worshiper at the prayer room. And so you go kind of a long time and you kind of get in this rhythm and this, like you feel the spirit and you're just, you, songs come out. And I wrote Joyrider. That was kind of a prophetic, that's just talking about Bible prophecy, you know, the Lord's return and, and how all eyes are going to see him. And
might be chaos and it might the end of the world might seem scary and chaotic but he is a joyful king he he knows what he's doing and he does the exact the right time and and just that yeah that he's it's kind of yeah joy rider i just see him just riding the clouds like in a way we can't even imagine like he's in charge of the clouds and just like last like almost like lassoing them or something it, gabe really liked that scenery he's like keep going with that that's like surfing jesus on the clouds i like that I'm like well um <laughs> i mean not not quite but yeah <laughs> um <laughs> But that's for Joyrider, yeah. It's biblical prophecy about the Lord's return. And then alive for me was was the again the recognition that Jesus is everywhere, that God is everywhere, almost like the air that we breathe, that we're surrounded by God's love and compassion. The essence of well, like breathing. If we don't breathe, we don't live. And so with God all around you and being the kind of the you are the air I breathe. I think there's a song with that, <laughs> but that's kind of what I was taking from Alive. What was what was your kind of intent on that song? Yeah, again, that was just out of a worship service. I kept writing songs like being in worship services, and I, I, I wrote that song exactly like just the, the the really neat miracle that I'm actually an alive entity because of I'm alive spiritually. Like I'm not dead. And I won't ever be dead mm-hmm. because of what, uh, because of Christ in me, because he said that. And, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm alive to God. Like I am something to him. I'm not a nothing to him. I'm, I'm not a, just an idea or like he's trying things out. Like I am something special and alive to him and that that he takes delight in. And so that's kind of where that song came from. He goes before me. No. 
that's something I think we all need to hear every day. And for me today specifically, it's been a rough day. There's been a lot of stuff going on, but the recognition that God made me as a special creation and that he wants to have me in a relationship with him. Absolutely. It's, he went to great lengths to not just have religion with us, but so that we can be close mm -hmm. and near. And he wants us to need him and rely on him. Like that song, I need you every hour. Um, that's, that's not too much to need him every hour. So, yeah. Well, Angie, what is God right now working in your life? What is he teaching you right now that you'd be willing to share with us as to how, how God is continuing the creation process and to who Miss Angie is as a mom, as a worship leader, as a member of a family, as a member of a church? What's God working in your life right now on? Oh, I would, to be honest with you, I, I guess I would say that it's still you know, he's still calling me to do things his way. He's still inviting me to do things his way. Um, I think I wrote in that little interview that you said, like, what are you going through? And I said, I mean, I've been going through temptation sometimes. Um, to be honest with you, I go through temptation and I think we all get tempted to, to go our own way or do things or take something that we want that we think we can have that uh, in life that we know God has said he doesn't approve of, <laughs> you know, it could be any of the Ten mm -hmm. Commandments, but that, uh, he wants me to walk in that, in that choice. So I, I get from him a lot that he, he wants me to make a choice, not out of, uh, this is religion and I have to, or this is, I got to do this or I'm going to get in trouble. Uh, but he wants me to make a choice because he's said, this is good. And, and to trust his heart, to trust his ways, to trust his voice, to trust his declared and revealed wisdom. And he just constantly invites me to make those choices. And, you know, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't, sometimes uh, and and he, I'm getting that. So that's what I, I mean. He's just showing me that the goodness and and how he can be a strength to me in those things. And because the Lord said, if you love me, you'll obey me. And I mean, I, I do want to love the Lord. I, I And so that looks like obedience. And um, you don't always want to obe obey. Kids don't always want to obey. <laughs> So um, <laughs> right. that's, that's, that's something. So we say, Lord, help me obey, lead me not into temptation. And, um, and we pray, we pray God, I pray God's will that he would help me want his will. Well, he, let me ask you a little yeah. bit about the temptation piece, yeah. because I think a lot of us, whether it's for that extra piece of pie after Thanksgiving dinner, or whether it's to go someplace that may be a trigger for us for something or other, what ways are you finding God is helping you avoid that temptation. Because, I mean, the Bible says we're all going to be tempted, mm -hmm. but he also says that he'll provide a way out. So do you have a concrete example maybe or, or something where you've been given an out for a temptation and maybe... I just, yeah, even in the last six months, I think I've, I, I was tempted with, with something that I, and I was like, God, I don't, uh, I don't know how to say no to this. So... And, 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 and he would say, well, just, you know, don't, 
don't circle around that. Don't, don't put yourself mm. around that. But then sometimes you can't help those situations. Sometimes you're in, you're in a boat and you can't get off the boat. You, you, you're going to have to face mm, the yeah. things that are around you. And so there's that choice again. You're, you're getting to see and the heavenlies are getting to see. And it all has to do with proving our faith. In, we believe God's words. It's just like Adam and Eve. Like he said, don't do this. And mm-hmm. he didn't have to say that, but he wanted to give them a choice to prove their love, really prove, prove their allegiance to him, prove their choice. Yes, he knew they were not going to prove it and he provided a way and he's still doing that with us. But I think in that moment of temptation, I really did. I think I said, I started to walk towards the temptation instead of walking away from it. And I'm like, Lord, mm-hmm. I am walking up these stairs and I am going towards that temptation. And um, mm-hmm. he he um, immediately. So I think that honesty and that calling out to him in that moment, like, hey, this isn't working. Um, SOS. He he made me yeah. hear a word behind me, like one word. I heard this one word behind me mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, that's the Lord. And I I, I just had strength to turn around walk down the stairs. And, um, that was one way. (laughs) So, yeah. So, I mean, that's just humanity. I'm just telling you the human side of, of walking with God, like that's real stuff. Well, the reason I'm digging into this a little bit is because I think we all face these temptations. And for me there, I, I have three or four things that I work with all the time in my brain, whether it's my anger or whether it's, uh, you know, how I approach people or, an addiction or whatever, and how, what is it that other people find that is the voice of God saying, here's a way out? Because God says he's going to provide that way. And sometimes I'm so stubborn or in the middle of chasing after that second piece of apple pie um, that, that I'm not willing to say, I don't hear that. And so I, I'm always encouraged hearing people talk about this is how I feel God is saying, here's a way out. Yeah, yeah. We deceive, I think we deceive ourselves so easily because we do. We want what we want and we want to make excuses for it or we want to. So it's easy to deceive yourself into um, doing your, going your own way. But God is so faithful and just to forgive us, you know, and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Yeah. So that's the good news. And, um, and yeah, we get, we get stronger as the years go by. I think at the end of the day, what is it? His steadfast love and his mercy is, is one of his high qualities. So we can bank on that. We're going to, I'm going to bank on that. (laughs) He knows, he knows he's helped my heart. I think our hearts too have to get changed where we want God's will too. I think giving a soft heart to God, the Bible talks about don't harden your heart when you hear his voice. That's for real stuff, because, yeah, that happens. Every Saturday, I send out a newsletter where I ask folks to pray for the people that we listen to, the music makers and the worship leaders in our lives. How specifically can we be praying for you in the weeks and the months ahead? I guess just pray that I would have more open doors for ministry that God wants me to have, and I would step into those. Yeah, because right now, I'm you know, I'm not doing too much. I kind of just play around this town and do certain gigs like worship nights and and things with and with my church and stuff, which I really like. And I'm happy with that. But uh yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So 
That would be my prayer. I have two takeaways from my exchange with Miss Angie today. Maybe you have some too, but these are the two things I'd like to review. First, God is in the business of restoration and renewing our relationship. It doesn't matter what you are going through, God is always interested in helping you achieve wholeness and forgiveness. You just have to let him know what you're going through. I appreciate how Angie talked about dealing with something that she knew she shouldn't be messing with, so she just out loud said, hey God, I need your help to escape this. I can't do this on my own. Even the writer of the Psalms had situations like that. He wrote in one of them, from the ends of the earth I cry out to you for help when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the towering rock of safety. Then again in Psalm 55 it says, Give your burdens to the Lord, and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. The second thing I wanted to mention is that we have an opportunity to encourage people around us who are indeed struggling. Angie and I both went through divorces where our church shunned us and we felt alone. But it was through the care of one or two people who did not push us away, but instead hugged us and walked with us. Those are the people that helped us find healing and restoration. In case you hadn't noticed it, there are a lot of people going through a lot of tough things in our world today. Many of those people attend our churches, shop at the same stores we do, and even live in our neighborhood. Hurting people need someone to love them and to walk beside them. And most of the time, they're not wanting to hear answers or accusations. They are just craving someone who cares, someone who will listen, someone who will provide that encouraging hug. So my second word of encouragement today is that we be intentionally aware of those around us who are feeling shunned or lonely or unloved. What can we do to show God's love to them so that they don't have to walk the journey alone? Many times it will just be showing up, just listening, and just caring. Before we wrap up today, I want to thank Miss Angie for permission to share her songs, Joyrider and Alive. Those tunes are from her new album, Desert Flags, and you can pick that up on Angie's website. I'll put the link in the show notes so you can find that. Or you can also stream it wherever you stream your music. So go check out that album today. As always, thanks for joining me for this conversation today. I am grateful that we get to spend this time together each week hearing stories of God's amazing faithfulness. As a regular listener to this podcast, would you mind taking a few minutes and rating it on your favorite podcast app? Reviews and ratings really help spread the word so that other folks can hear about these great conversations. And if you have comments or questions for me, please feel free to drop me a message on any of the social media platforms. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon by searching for at CCMExchange. Or you can always drop me an email on the website christianmusicarchive.com. I'm really looking forward to our time together next week when I have another great conversation with one of the musicians you'll find on Music Archive. So until then, remember this, God loves you. In fact, he's crazy about you. <laughs>